0: So we will be in Ephesians chapter number six. We got through verse number nine uh, last time. So we will pick up in verse number 10 uh, tonight. So the first thing that we see here starting in verse number 10 is the fight. This is where uh, Paul has transitioned now uh, from talking about uh, the home and the family and the the servants and the masters and now uh, we're into uh, the personal battles that we face every single day. So in verse number 10, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Paul is wrapping up uh, the letter. So he's covered a lot of different subjects uh, through the first uh, five and a half chapters of Ephesians. And now He's saying, finally, brethren. So we're going to wrap up uh, the letter. He covered a lot of ground. He Remember, he wrote this a letter to not just one church, but uh, several churches that are in the city of Ephesus. So let's quickly just summarize some of the subjects. So in chapter one, uh, Paul dealt with predestination in chapter two he talked about salvation and grace uh, or by grace not by works we we talked a lot about legalism and then in chapters uh, two verses in chapter one and two verses in chapter four uh, he discussed Christ's headship over the body and in chapter two uh, he also talked about the church as the building and the temple of God And then in chapter 3, he talked about the mystery of Christ, how that all are equal in the body of Christ. And then in chapter 4, we touched on spiritual gifts and talked about that. Uh, And then in chapter 5, that's where we saw uh, the church as the bride of Christ, the home life, uh, while Paul addressed husbands, wives, children, and fathers. And then work life in uh, chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, talking about servants and masters. Now, knowing all these things that Paul instructed us, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we can can take strength out of the knowledge and the wisdom that Paul shared with us. And it's important that he says, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So we have no power in ourselves, but in God there's great power so that's where we need to draw our power from uh, being strong in the Lord has nothing to do with how long a person's been saved you could have a new convert that's only been saved for a few weeks that be much more uh, ha- have a much closer walk with God and have more of the power of God on their life than somebody that's been saved for 20 or 30 years because when we think about it we think about as a person grows and as they get older they get stronger and they get bigger but if you think about it even some even you got people the same age and the same body type if one exercises and works out and lifts weights they're going to be stronger than the other person so as we exercise spiritually and we exercise our spiritual gifts when we're filled with the spirit then we can be strong be It's got nothing to do with how long we've been saved, but it has everything to do with how much time we spend in the Word of God and how much that we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's where the strength comes from. It comes through the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. So he tells us to be strong, uh, but to be strong in God's power. And then in verse number 11, so this... Passage here is, is one of the most familiar passages uh, probably in uh, the Bible. Uh, if I don't, I don't think it's the most familiar, but it's one of the most familiar. But he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, it's real interesting. And, and what I love about a detailed study is that words and phrases have meaning. And what Paul said here was he charged us to put on the whole armor of God. So God doesn't dress us. God God doesn't put the armor on us. He provides the armor and we have to put on the armor of God. So that's what he said. He said, you need to put on uh, the whole armor of God. Why? That we might be able to stand. It's our responsibility, each person's responsibility to put their armor on um, just so that we can be prepared for the battles that are ahead. (laughs) This is another thing that Paul uh, helps us see right here is that it's not if we have battles, we're guaranteed to have battles. We're, We're guaranteed because the devil is running to and fro up and down in the earth. He's seeking whom he may devour, and he's coming after us. He's coming after your home, after your children, after the church. So we will have battles, and we better put on the armor of God. We better put on the whole armor of God uh, so that we can be adequately protected. And he says not only are we charged with putting on the armor of God, But he says that we can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now that word stand literally means what it says. To stand up uh, or to abide. So we need to endure. We need to to constantly be standing for the the things of God. And that word wiles means trickery or craftiness. So by putting on the armor of God... That's how we take away Satan's power. We take away his ability to trick us. We take away his craftiness. We take away his ability uh, to deceive us and to trick us into uh, drawing us away from the things of God and from the power of God. So then Paul goes down in to verse number 12. And this, was, this is where it really starts getting uh, a lot more descriptive. So Paul told us to put on the armor of God because, and, and to stand because we're, the battle's coming and the battle's raging. Uh, and in verse number 12, he identifies who the enemy is. He said, "...for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places." So here we see who the enemy is, who we're fighting. Principalities, what he's talking about, those are, those are the fallen angels. Those are the demons of hell. Uh, then the powers, have got to understand, Paul is telling us that these beings are powerful. You see, a lot of times we forget, when we, when we think about Satan and we think about demons, we think about God defeating them and casting them out of heaven... But sometimes we forget just how powerful these beings are. They're much more powerful than you and I because they walked with God. They were in the presence of God. They they were created and were surrounding the throne of God. They were in heaven with God. And now they've been cast out. So they are, Paul is telling us, they are powerful. He says that we're against principalities, against powers, powerful beings, and against the rulers of darkness. Notice he said, he didn't just say the, the darkness, but he said the rulers of darkness. They are rulers in authority on this earth. They rule the darkness. That's why as Christians, we have to stay in the light. <laughs> because in the light, we're safe uh, in the protection of God. But in the darkness, we're, we are at risk because they rule the darkness. It's kind of like... Um, we don't have this really here in our area, but there are places to where like police officers late at night won't go, in, won't go down certain streets in the city. Because even though they are the law, they're not the law on that street. On that street, they'll get hurt, they'll get killed because the rulers of that street are the gangs or whoever, that's the rulers there. They're the law there. So if the police officers go in that part of town, they go in force, they don't just go alone, they go with a whole bunch of them because they know that the the gangs or, the, or whatever are in charge in that part of the city. When we lived down in Charleston, South Carolina, there was, it was right near the Air Force Base, but there was one street uh, that connected uh, the main road from over uh, the access road to go to the Air Force Base. And that street was the most dangerous street in all of Charleston and North Charleston because there was two gangs. One gang uh, had one end of the street at one intersection and the other gang had the other end of the street at the other uh, intersection. So you didn't want to travel that road after dark because one of the two gangs was going to get you. So you would go down, we would drive that road in the daytime, but when it came night, you didn't go down that road. There was another road down there that was in north charleston that a police officer told me this when we moved down there he said when you go down that road he said don't stop for red lights and don't stop for stop signs you just keep going i said well that's easy for you to say you're not going to get a ticket i said what am i supposed to do uh, if i get pulled over because i went through a red light he goes they're not going to pull you over he said i'm a cop i don't stop for red lights and stop signs he said, first of all, don't get on that road after dark. But if you do, don't stop for stop signs and red lights. Why? Because there's rulers of darkness there uh, and we are at great danger. So we want to stay out of the darkness because they rule the darkness. And then he said spiritual wickedness and not only spiritual wickedness. That, I mean, that's bad. That's bad enough. Right. These are are spiritual creatures, but they're wicked creatures. They're vile creatures, the demons of hell. But he not only said that spiritual wickedness, but he said in high places. So we have to remember, we are not a match for the devil. We are not a match for the demons of hell. The, the, The weakest demon in Satan's arsenal is stronger than the strongest human being. But when we have the Holy Spirit of God and we're filled with the Spirit of God and we have on the armor of God, we can stand against the wiles of the devil. We can stand toe to toe because it's not in our strength. It's through his strength. So Paul here in verse number 12, he identifies the enemy so that we can be prepared uh, for the fight when it arrives. And notice that Paul... Nowhere in verse number 12, when Paul was identifying the enemy, nowhere did he mention other humans. You say, Terry, <laughs> some of the people that cause me the most problem are humans. <laughs> because the devil uses other people to attack us, doesn't he? That, a lot of times that's what it is. And some, I don't know about you, but I have I've actually seen... The look in people's eyes, when they, when they have been talking to me and attacking me, you can see actual that, that they are demon-possessed. You can see it in their eyes. You can see the wickedness that's inside of them. But Paul did not identify human beings. You see, other human beings are not our enemy. They are the prize for which we fight. And that's how we have to look at lost people. Lost people, even it doesn't matter what they're doing to us, what they're saying about us, or anything else, they are the prize for which we fight. Satan is fighting to take them to hell, and we are fighting Satan so that we can share the gospel with them and they could go to heaven. So that's how we have to look at the lost world. We don't look at them as enemies. And that's what a lot of Christians do. That's why when when there's certain things that happen, Christians show up and protest and and have banners and everything else. And listen, if you want to protest something, that's fine. But we can't attack lost people for being lost people. Because that's what they are. They're lost. Now, if it's, if it's a saved, born-again Christian that's living carnally, that's a different story. But when we talk about lost people, lost people are who we're, we're ambassadors to them. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're the ones that are supposed to reach them and bring them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't do that if we're attacking them. So Satan here, I mean, Paul here identifies who the enemy is. The enemy is Satan and the demons of hell. It's not that next-door neighbor that's given us all kinds of grief and problems. It's not that person at work that hates us just because we're a Christian. It's not that person that talks about us behind our back and tries to do everything they can to destroy our reputation and our testimony. They are being used by the enemy. They are not the enemy. And if we remember that, it sure changes how we view that person, doesn't it? See, you can have certain people that... Uh, are just mean. And you can have other people that are influenced by the people that are just mean. I mean all of us have seen that. All of us have seen somebody that when they're around certain people, they're as nice as they can be. When they're around other people, they're just as mean as the people they're around because they're being influenced. And that's what we how we have to look at the world. The world, human beings are not necessarily uh, evil, they're not the problem. The problem is the, that which influences them and that's Satan and the demons of hell. That's the problem. And we have to look at every lost person as the prize for which we stand and fight. Now in Acts chapter 19 verse 11 down through verse number 16 says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So listen to what he said. Paul didn't go cast demons out of anybody. Paul didn't go heal anybody. They took handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had, and when they gave them to demon-possessed people, the demons were cast out. When they gave them to sick and injured people, they were healed. So Paul wasn't there. They just just took things that Paul had touched. That's how much the power of God was on Paul. That it it actually morphed into the cloth that touched his body to the sense that they could cast out demons. Whoa, if we had that kind of power of God on us, that the mere shirt that I'm wearing could heal somebody uh, from sickness. But then in verse number 13... He said, Then certain of the Bagavon Jews, exorcists, took upon themselves to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So you had these Jews that saw what was going on. Look, if the cloth that touched Paul can cast out demons, surely... The gang of us can cast out demons, right? So they called the demon-possessed people over. Come on over here, and we're going to cast you out in the name of Jesus by which Paul preached. Notice they didn't say the name of Jesus by which we serve. They said the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. See, they, they saw that power of God, and they wanted that power of God, but they went about it completely the wrong way. Then in verse 14, it tells us how many there were. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and a chief of the priests, which did so. So there was this person, Siva, and then seven sons. And when they said, we adore you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out of them, this is what the evil spirit said. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul I know, but who are ye? <laughs> the evil spirit said, now Jesus has power, and I'm intimidated by him. Paul has power. I'm intimidated by him, but you ain't on my radar. Who you think you are? You see, and that's where we get in the trap a lot of times. We can see the power of God on other people. And we, we want that power of God. We, we want that boldness that comes with being filled with the Spirit of God. But it doesn't come just because we want it. It comes. You see, when a man gets up and preaches the Word of God and, and the power of God falls on a service, we've all seen that. The power of God falls on a service. Lives are changed. People get saved. Things are completely different. You can feel the Spirit of God in the building it's not because that person, that whoever that was that preached, it's not because they were special. It's not because God chose to call that person to preach and therefore put all this, uh, filled them with the power of God. You see, that same person, that same man that preached in the power and the authority of Almighty God can also turn into one of the most carnal people on the face of the planet. Because you don't get there by wanting it. You get there by being filled and indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. The more time you spend in the word of God, the more time you walk with God, the more time you talk with God, the closer you are with God, the more power of God that we have. And listen to verse number 16. It's actually a funny story. Uh, It's sad, but it's funny. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Now there's seven of them. And this guy that's demon possessed, he leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. In other words, he beat all seven of them up. Now, how bad did he beat them? So that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. (laughs) He beat them to a bloody pulp and ripped all their clothes off. They're running down the street naked, (laughs) bleeding, because they thought they were a match for a wicked demon that's just one so we need to remember that story when you and i when we get to the point we think we're a match for satan and the demons of hell he'll beat us up and leave us naked and, and wounded that's exactly what will happen so we better be prepared we better have on the whole armor of god we better be able to be ready for it first peter 5 8 he said be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said in John chapter 10 the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So it's very clear, the Word of God is very clear in who our enemy is and what their desire is. Their desire is. To to kill us, to destroy us, to steal our testimony, to steal our power. This is what we have to remember. The battle is real. Our adversary is power. Uh, I'm sorry. Our adversary is powerful, and we need to be serious, and we need to be prepared. See, a lot of times we get into this lackluster, and 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 sometimes we think the Christian life, and and, and we just get to where we go through the motions. We better be careful. Because we are fighting a very powerful enemy. Warren Wiersbe said, Sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. I just thought I thought that was funny. Because you, you think it's a playground until you get jumped on by the devil. And then you realize, hey, he's not playing. So we can't be playing. And it says, and uh, it's a battleground, not a playground. And that they face an enemy who is much stronger than they are apart from the Lord. Then in verse number 13, it's very interesting what he says. Because, and he says, wherefore, and anytime you see the word wherefore or therefore, it's saying because of these things, this is what we should do. So because of verse number 12, who our adversary is and who we uh, fight against, he said, take unto you the whole armor of God. Now, things that are in the word of God are very important. But when things are repeated, it increases the importance of that term. So we're told in uh, verse number 11 to put on the whole armor of God. And then we're told in verse number 13 again to take unto you the whole armor of God. So he says, listen, but our our enemy is powerful. They're seeking to kill us and to destroy us. And we better be prepared and we better be ready. So take on uh, the whole armor of God in 2 Timothy 3.17, he said that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that thoroughly furnished means fully equipped. We want to be fully equipped. We want to be fully prepared for what Satan has uh, to attack us with. So that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, it's interesting here. I love this part of the verse. It says, having done all to stand. So once we've done everything we can, once we've completely prepared, once we've got completely ready, we're taking it serious, we're we're diving into the word of God and we're and we're praying and we're getting close to God and we're preparing for the battle. Once we've done all to stand, he said. In verse number 14, he simply said, Stand, therefore. So, you see, he said, don't just get ready and then sit on the sidelines. Get ready and jump in the fight. Jump in the battle. You know, a lot of people will see, uh, they'll, they'll come to church and they'll see uh, the devil fighting against the church, fighting against the pastor, fighting against the leadership of the church, fighting in the youth group, fighting to split the church. And they're just spectators on the sidelines. They're just watching it all happen. Paul says, no, no, when you've done all to stand, stand. Get up. Take a stand for God and fight for the things that matter. And that's the things of God. Stand therefore. Then he says, how do we stand? What what is the armor? Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So if we're going to stand against the devil and we're going to stand and fight the devil, we better do it with truth. As believers, we must live in the truth of God's Word. The Word of God says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's, we, we better go at it with truth. You go, you go after the devil with a false doctrine and a false belief, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get injured because he's going to tear you up. He knows the Word of God, so we better know it as well. And not only in truth... But in righteousness, that word righteousness means just or holy. Listen, when we fight against Satan, he doesn't play fair. He will point out and expose every flaw that we have in our character and in our life, everything. He will do whatever he can to destroy us. You ever had those people that uh, think there's rules in a fight? That's something that I explained to my sons whenever they were, you know, at that age, middle school age, whatever, when boys do what boys do and they start wrestling and sometimes they get into fights. I told them, I said, son, listen, I told them both, there are no rules when it comes to fighting. Now, if you are in a boxing association, there's rules. There's There's so much time to the round. You have to wear gloves so big. I said, there's a lot of rules. But when you're out on the street and somebody's picking on you or jumps on you at school, there are no rules. It's not, well, we're gonna stand here and only throw punches. You know, we're not gonna jab in the eyes. We're not gonna hit below the belt. I said, there are no rules when it comes to a fight. I said, this is what you have to know. If you get it, first of all, do everything you can to avoid a fight. That's what I always taught them. Do everything you can. But if push comes to shove and you're backed in a corner and you have to fight, you gotta understand a couple of things. Number one, somebody's gonna get hurt. You can't count on, well, the teacher will show up in a minute and break us up. No, you got to count on this. Is, this is going to go on until somebody can't fight anymore. I said, that's how you have to approach it. Somebody's going to get hurt. You make sure it's not you and you end it as fast as you can, because the longer it goes on, the more likelihood that you're going to get hurt. Okay. So if you go into a fight on the street and you think I'm going I'm to go by these certain rules, well, the other guy's not going by those rules. So you are going to get poked in the eye. You are going to get hit below the belt, whatever. And that's who we're fighting. There, Satan has no limitations. He has no rules except for the limitations that God places on him. So we better take it seriously and we better understand that we have to do, we have to go in truth. Uh, and then uh, he said in verse number 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, pre, of peace. Preparation of the gospel. We must be prepared to share the gospel. We must go in the name of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shoes are the basic foundation uh, of a person. And when we're going to battle, we better have the basic foundation of the gospel. You see, what are we fighting for? We're not just fighting to keep the devil off our back. We're listen. When, if you're a parent, you're fighting for the eternal security of your children. You're fighting for your brother and your sister so that they don't go to hell. You're fighting for your mom and dad. You're fighting for your friends and neighbors. That's what we're fighting. We're fighting for the prize. And what is the prize? The lost person's soul. That's the prize. Now, in verse number 16, uh, a lot of people miss this. Uh, and people talk about all the different... Uh, pieces of armor uh, that we're putting on. But listen to what he said in verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So I've heard a lot of people teach and preach different things out of this. What's the most important? Paul tells us what the most important is. He said, above all everything else, above everything I've talked about, take the shield of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If we don't have faith as a Christian, we are not going to be able to quench all the fiery darts of the, of the devil. And see that fiery darts, that's, that's not something that happens up close. That's something that gets thrown at you from a distance. So how are we going to... See, we can protect ourselves up close, but we also have to protect ourselves from the fiery darts that the devil shoots from a distance. So that's the most important of all these things. Above all, taking the shield of faith. We better be men and women of faith and stand on that. Then verse 17, he said, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the helmet of salvation, we have to understand... That the reason why salvation is pictured as a helmet on the head is because Satan attacks the mind. If our mind is controlled by God and the things of God, Satan can't get into our mind and lead us astray. So we better protect our minds because our minds is what the devil is attacking. Um, Then the word of God, uh, this is the only offensive weapon that is listed here. That is the Word of God. Now what does Hebrews chapter 4 say? The Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, that's why I'm so passionate about the Word of God, and I love it so much, because this is how we fight off the devil. Everything else is defensive. This is the only offense that we have, is the Word of God. And what is it? It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's piercing. And it is discerning. You know why the devil has all different kinds of translations of Bibles out there? There's like 130 different translations of the Bible. Because the more he can can dull that sword, the less he can be hurt by it. The more he can, he, he can take the big sword out of our hand and give us a little bitty pocket knife, the more vulnerable we are. And that's, that's why there's such an attack on the Word of God, not only today, but throughout history. And then in verse number 18, he said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we, we also have to have prayer. We pray always. And that word supplication means humble and earnest petition. So we need to go in prayer. And not only in prayer, but he said to watch with all perseverance or persistence. You see the pattern here that we have in verse number 13. He said, take on you the whole armor of God. That's he's saying preparation, get prepared. And then in verse number 14, when he said, when you've done all to stand, stand therefore, that's the perspiration. (laughs) That's, That's where you break a sweat and get into the fight and get something done. And then down in verse number 15, he tells us to persevere or be persistent. We need to be on the battlefield every single day. You see, as Christians, we have the responsibility to pray for one another, but we also have to understand I can take time off of work to get a break. I can go on vacation and not think about work for a week or something like that. We're fighting an enemy. There are no vacations. There are no days off. Because the moment you you decide I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take some time off and not go to church and just sit back and relax, that's when the devil is gonna rip you to shreds. You have to understand, he doesn't play fair. He's not gonna give you a break just because you're tired. I've been there, we've all been there. Physically worn out, spiritually exhausted, just need a break. There are no sidelines on the battlefield. There's no timeouts, right? On a a football field, you can call timeout and get you a water break. On the battlefield, try to call timeout. Think about it. If if soldiers are on the battlefield fighting each other, what's going to happen if one says, hang on, timeout, I need to rest for a minute? That'll be the last thing they ever say because the other soldier will kill them, right? So let's recap the armor of God. He tells us to go in truth. We must have the truth, righteousness, preparation of the gospel above all, having faith, salvation, the helmet of salvation, the word of God and prayer. That is how we equip ourselves to stand against the evil wicked uh, ones of hell. All right, so we will stop there and pick up in verse number 19 next week.